What's happening, Jan Pitt? JP. Duraceli, how's it going? Hello. Hi. Good to have you here. Freedoms, what's happening? Anticap, good to see you. Shabnam Esat. Guys, you guys are joining in quite nicely. How are you guys doing? Quick question to everybody. What is up, man? Hey, good woman online. I uh, was struggling to share your story as you shared it, uh, giving the your, your followers <laughs> the option to say who's joining me. And uh, nah, I'm okay was was the other response. And I'll share it in the story. I'll figure it out after this live to give you guys an idea of why that's so funny. Right, good evening. Good evening. Suhail, what is happening? Raisa. Cool, guys. So, shall we get straight into it? How many of you guys downloaded the financial planning checklist? I'd like to see from a show of hands. And uh, who filled it out? Who's taken it seriously? This is the most important thing, right? In this is what it looks like, right? There we go. Your financial planning checklist. Had you downloaded it, you'd be prepared here because in your financial plan, the topic of today is how to review your financial plan for 2021. And what an interesting year. You know, let me just go down. We've got a whole lot of accounts that you may have, must have. Uh, do you have it? Do you understand it? The core principles of doing anything in life is about how well you understand it, right? We've got here, Mr. Albert, I didn't download it, it filled it out, filled out what I could. You know, it'd be cool, guys, and, and open to suggestions, as always, because we, we had a question and suggestion in the beginning of this year uh, on making this a radio show. People ask questions and we can deal with your specific situations as it went. And uh, I've been piloting, oh, I'm not piloting, I've been testing out some new platforms uh, with regards to audio rooms where, where there's moderators, etc. So send me your recommendations. We're going to implement it. You know, this is evenings through the lockdown. We try to do this. And uh, this session specifically is going to go deep. So those who have questions, specific questions, ask them. We're going to cover it all, right? There's a reason why we filled this out. And uh, welcome, Makeup by Zahira, Tahir. Um, I'm seeing all the people who took their time in reading this Salah. <laughs> I should push this down as we go in times to 7.20, maybe to start. Uh, thank you, Suhail. You like this idea? Yeah, you know, we, we this. how's your guys' day, so to speak? Because these next two weeks, we're launching the Masterclass. At the end of next week... And uh, we've, it's so detailed, so interesting, the tech that's going involved, the final checks in bringing this, uh, you're going to be seeing, thanks to everybody who's on the wait list, it's, it's going to be next level. And you know, one of these tools, what we implement in, in, in these types of sessions, you know, the world today is very, let's put it to you this way, in financial advice, the traditional financial advice is pretty much moving towards irrelevant as we seeing social tech, normal tech, the access to financial information. And 
the reality is people need to deal with another human being. We still need social interaction, especially when it comes to our money. And the question is, who is prepared? Who is ready? You know, um, could you please have this recorded too from uh, Nchito? Of course, bro. So those who won't be able to watch the live can have access to the info. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that template we're talking about is already on the site. Go check it out. The lives are posted to the profile afterwards so you can tag friends, share them and get up to date. So we're already a few minutes in. I am going to rock and roll, right? We're talking about financial advisor, financial planning, your personal financial plan. How many of you by show of hands answering questions, drop comments, know about the six step financial planning process? This is the process that governs all financial planning worldwide. So thanks to the viewers from the UK, guys, we've received messages from Philippines, UK and the US. So I'm going to take you through the six step financial planning process. Ignore that. I just Google this. You can Google it too. The first step in a financial planning official process is to establish the relationship with a the client, then collect the client's information, then analyze the client's financial status, develop the financial planning recommendations when presented to the client, implement the client's financial planning recommendations and review the client's situation. That's it. So if you were to imagine this in your day-to-day -day lives, by show of hands, comments, etc., how many of you have been through this? So establish and define the relationship with client. There's 42,000 financial advisors in, in this country alone, right? Establish is when they phone you and say, hey, what's up? I can give you a free consultation on your financial health and give you a check on, on your situation, right? Okay, fair. Maybe that is compelling. Maybe it brings finances to the forefront of your mind, right? Then you go into step two, you schedule this meeting with this advisor. Uh, what they do is they collect your ID number, etc., etc. You You give them this information. You sign a few documents. Obviously, there's an official wording of this process. And then they discuss life and finances or what you believe to be a lot of the financial discussions and wrap it up in, in just about under an hour. Then they take this back to the office. Perhaps you are in office for this example. You're drinking coffee, you're sitting it down, they're plugging information into a CRM uh, and uh, they're loading your details and they start analyzing your financial situation. Now, for those of you that don't know financial planning, that checklist itself has everything to do with the plan that you have for your taxes, your tax planning, your estate planning. So what are you worth? The transference of wealth, uh, your investment accounts, your insurance accounts, obviously your risk management plan, which is where insurance comes from. And uh, pretty much this is the elements of a financial plan. So going back to that process, right? They analyze your situation, right? Develop the recommendation. So you now meet for a second time with, with the advisor and uh, what happens in that meeting? Show of hands, questions. What, how, how have you experienced that? Most of the time it goes out in an entire discussion with an insurance policy document, uh, investment plan, maybe an education plan. And uh, you go through hundreds of pages of information that you may or may not give a damn about. And uh, there you go. Good woman online. A sale is made. Right. This is a sale of a financial product. This is what the six step process of financial planning governs because you go into step six, which is review once a year. Right. So 
Stick with me here for a second, because if you really think about it, right? If reviewing your total financial position once a year, right? Because that's a guideline. Once a year, you have to review all of your clients, right? As a financial advisor. If, if that was the recipe for success, a key, like, like to, to, a successful plan to achieve your financial freedom, right? It would have to cover a detailed review of your life, your assets, your cash flow. You know, we, we had a whole week to prepare for this live, and yet how many of you actually downloaded this, filled in the time, got all your information? You know, there was an example right there in just an Instagram live, and you guys are for financial awareness, education, and understanding, right? Anyway, let's continue. Your assets, your cash flow plan, your goals, everything else that goes into working towards a financial freedom goal, right? How long would that actually take for you to go through? If you have business, your business, your trusts, your will, every single thing to be reviewed once a year, it would have to be a whole day. Agree, disagree. I'd like to hear your thoughts, right? And that would obviously mean you met with your advisor once a year, you spent a whole day, and every year thereafter, so 10 years into the future, um, you would have had 10 conversations, 10 sessions with the financial advisor, right? Now, in those 10 sessions, a decade later, or that whole day, for example, in one year, the whole day, right? How many, uh, how much of that information would you have retained as a customer, as somebody working towards something as important as your financial freedom? And uh, how much of that made sense, considering all these documents that you need to understand uh, that, that forms part of the six steps implementation of the sale process? And... Uh, how, how did you feel about that? Did you feel, when last, here's a question, when last did you guys meet with an advisor? Because you're paying for a financial planning service. What are you getting, right? Now, let's give it a fair shot, right? How much would you have retained? Did it actually make sense um, and stay in mind out of the 10 conversations over 10 years, right? It depends on how well that information was presented, your frame of mind on that particular day, how long the meeting was, because let's be honest, this stuff doesn't take a day. No advisor books a whole day with you specifically on your financial plan, right? It depends on how many reviews the advisor had scheduled for that day, because they have to run their business, right? And how focused both parties were, how detailed the review was. And, you know, I listed a whole lot of reasons here, and it's just safe to say that that review process, the once a year, is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for neglect, right? And so just take a moment to think about, you join this live, we're planning for 2021 or how to review your financial plan up to this day, looking at the year ahead. And ask yourself this question, think about what it means to you. Do you know when you're going to be financially free? Do you have any cooking clue? right? Because this is the reality. There's a reality check for most people in here is that most people have a financial plan, but don't have a first clue of what the hell it's about, right? They don't have a game plan with their money. And, and I'm laughing because that, that story I'm going to post after this live, that, that good woman online posted, uh, she gave the option basically in her story of who's keen to join me. And the, the other option in the bar on Instagram is, um, no, it's good, I'm fine. That is a proper behavioral trigger point when finances come across or is asked generally to any segment of the population, 
It's the go-to answer to go, now nah, actually I'm sorted. Those specific words, so I had a good laugh when I saw that um, leading up to this live. And, and that's, you know, I made this note down here. Most people say they okay or they sorted, but can't explain what their game plan is. It's written down here. <laughs> there, like, think about it. Most people don't know whether it's, good, it's better to rent or buy. They just make those financial decisions. Whether they're on track to saving literally half of their um, interest on their bond repayments. Half the time, maybe more. That's a game plan with money, one would imagine, right? And uh, when they'll pay it off, whether their net worth increased from last year to this year, do you have an idea of by how much? Um, do you have an idea of what you can do to increase it, right? And ultimately, do you have an idea of how to get control of your journey to living on your own terms? Because life is more about money. It is less about money. Money is just a piece of that puzzle. And so living on your own terms is living with a purpose. It's living with an understanding, very well knowing that one piece of it is finances. And now you're on top of it and living directly towards that level of life that you want to live. This is the question that I want you to ponder on when thinking about your specific financial plan. Are you like most people? Do you want to stay there? And do you feel like you want to perhaps start understanding and taking more time for yourself in your journey with your, if, with your finances, your traditional financial plan, as we might say, right? Because the majority of people, financial plan, though that process leads to a sale. We said that earlier, and they just bought a policy from a salesman who, if they're lucky, I suppose, will send them a birthday message once a year and uh, a gift, you know, for, for, for whatever it means, right? And, and, you know, I was in a sales presentation earlier today. And uh, I was writing notes, you know, it's one of those long Zoom calls. And uh, the, there was a motivational speaker that was speaking there. It's one of those beginning of the year kind of webinars that I attended, right? And it was directly talking to the sales team, financial advisors of a certain business. And, he, you know, long story credentials, 20 years, this speaking on stages worldwide, blah, 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 blah. And to be honest, the advice is quite cuck, if you ask me, because... Here they were talking about behavioral psychology. You know, so remember, companies spend billions, <laughs> billions on researching the right sales processes. We know the sales isn't bad. But the way it was said, it was like, I'm going to give you the words to say so that clients respond to your sales process, your six-step financial planning process. And I actually noted it down here. You, you, you literally, his words were advising advisors to use words like ethical responsibility or moral obligation because he guarantees that if you use those words, you are going to buy. Sales process. So many of you might have a financial plan, policies, investments. Um, I hope you have a will. You should just think about the financial industry in the world today with the access to information, things like this that we're testing out and I'm sure many people are going to get in on the action, so to speak, you know, I've seen that already, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. And I actually want to show you guys something, right, before we go into your checklist, is you guys have been following the page, you've seen our financial coaching school, the school to create the perfect financial advisor, right? Somebody that is a financial coach that can talk to your behavior and uh, guide you to realize things on your own account. This is a coach. Somebody that can take the hat off, 
be an actual advisor and consult you to make proper decisions in your purchases, your decisions in your um, spending, uh, buying a home, asset acquisition, managing liabilities, all of the, the standard stuff, as well as take the hat off and put on another hat and be your mentor and guide. Somebody that you can bounce ideas back off, that can vicariously share with you stories that help you make better decisions in your life with money and through your business, perhaps, right? Now, that six-step financial planning process was designed with the right intention in mind, but I just opened this one up from one of our presentations. And if you look at it, those were the six steps because we're trying to change the industry. One, two, three, four, five, and there's that review process that happens in this model of how we believe a more meaningful conversation can happen. So you contract the relationship, establish the facts, and there's 11 steps throughout this that form part of the key things of empowering, understanding, exploring, getting honest and real, holding the client yourself, who's paying for a service of having someone hold your hand to keep you accountable, right? Be responsible, support, listen, and obviously the outer boundary of things, which is contracting the relation, check-ins and more reviews and adjustments more regularly throughout the year, and then hopefully repeating the process towards what you've set up and the decisions you're making in your life to reach your ultimate financial freedom and living on your own terms. I digress, right? So, show of hands, good woman online or whoever it might be, none of you are commenting at the moment. So I'm just gonna take you through the checklist by yourself. How many people have from this financial planning checklist ever done a financial statement for themselves. Assets, liabilities, assets minus liabilities equals equity. Equity is what you owe, right? This is your worth. How many of you people have, who are watching today have drawn out a budget, but more importantly, created an annual living budget? That's a budget that extends throughout the year and let's say we're reviewing your financial plan for 2021. And uh, when I was actively in practice, I, uh, I did this process with every single person. It didn't matter whether they were worth hundreds of millions of rands or they were worth, or just starting out their career. Let's put it to you that way, because it all starts with understanding cash flow. And in fact, the wealthier people do give a, give a damn about the stuff. To think about it, uh, anyway. So an annual living budget, if you expanded over last year and you, you stuck to one, you'd be looking today, January, um, which was just an extension of 2020, right? And seeing your entire year in advance on one page, you can look back and say, what went wrong? Did I achieve something? Was I on track? There's so much valuable data, and I've spoken about this so many times, that these tools may seem boring, but your application off, and your, your, if, you, if you understand the power of it, leads you to ask better questions and have a deeper understanding of your pathway. So we got here, budget yes for month to month, debit orders and payments, not daily spending. Question is, why not daily spending? Oh, probably the answer is, and I'll wait for yours, is because variable expenses are exactly that. They happen sometimes, sometimes. Again, you go annual living budget, you have thought about this, so when looking forward, you don't only look back, you can look forward and project. Exactly, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, all in one page, right in front of you, expected income, 
expected expenses, which are your debit orders, as you mentioned, right? You've got, uh, when you submit your taxes, perhaps you do that a bit later in July, and you normally get your tax rebate in September, you're already putting an allocated expectation of money coming into your life in September. We in January right now, you're kind of expecting that to happen. So when you spend time just looking at that year in advance, you might have certain variable expenses like, I mean, it's not like we're social these days, so, so like attending weddings is off the table. This is, 2021 is going to be a very simple year. If you can pay attention, you can get ahead. But perhaps your car's been sitting and maybe you've got some expected costs there because somebody didn't drive it around the block once a week or, or whatever it might be, right? Okay, we got JJ Soms. I'm gonna just answer your question there, but effectively how you deal with variable is you can expect when they're gonna be paid. You can also look back three, four months bank statements and just make your own categories and see exactly what your trends are. And you can estimate it and then keep track. So my view there is you need to do it monthly across all income and expenditure. As you go month to month, year by year, you will get more accurate. JJ Soms, don't know what you do, but very technical thinker. It's true, right? Not everyone is a technical thinker though, so it's by essence on how, so I've got the template online, you can download it right from the site and you make it your own because if you're technical and analytical, man, those guys are a special breed, um, you'll get all the data and data is, 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 is law, right? We've got here, I do a yearly budget. Last year worked out better than other years because I had budgeted for expenses that didn't occur which means I had surplus going into January. What a legend. Klantla, man, if you DM me, you're gonna get uh, your third financial coaching session free off the website. Keep that in mind. That was a beautiful thing. I'm proud of you, man. Things like this is where the magic starts happening. And essentially, thanks for the love, guys. Um, <laughs> This is what it's all about. Money is not complicated. It's simple. And once you get the understanding, which may be the hardest part, the administrative part, you now start building into better discussions, more meaningful discussions. Also need to track daily and then compare month end to your budget, else it's pointless. <laughs> track daily. You know, JJ Sounds, you also get your third session free because love the participation. It's, if you can track daily, I, I wouldn't say it's not, it's pointless because each person can find their own balance point. So case in point, if you spend 10 minutes uh, a month working on your initial, you go deep on your budget and understand it, and then you go 10 minutes a month with you, your spouse, your partner, however it may be, or yourself. And uh, if you look at certain bank statements, itemized spending, you'll get an accurate review. Certain things might stand out in 2021, perhaps not too many money, uh, examples of money going out, and you keep track of it, capture it on the spreadsheet that we have as a resource on the site, which is quite intuitive, you'll, you'll, you'll be on top of it. But I do appreciate where you're coming from with the daily tracking. So if you look at the third thing on this list, targets, if you think about any business, how do businesses manage or measure how they're successful year on year? I mean, if you guys got a job, you know for a fact there's such a thing as targets, right? What makes a company so successful that you can't do in your personal life? What is the target that you are working for? What you are working towards? You know, we, we see common examples of reward, right? So I reward myself 
because I did something good by spending X amount of money. I've very rarely uh, in the years ever heard about people hitting their own targets in their finances and the people that do obviously are winning. Do you want to be on top of your finances? You have to have some targets. Whatever those targets are, we cover those deeply in the masterclass to break down your actual targets, the cost of what your financial freedom is and uh, incredible detail of this. So if you haven't yet, go join the, the masterclass wait list, which is coming out in two weeks from now. It's, it's going to be it's something special, guys. So um, thanks to, we've got over 100 people on the masterclass wait list so far. It's, it's overwhelmingly incredible. Like, I just so much love back at you guys. So, let's look at the next thing on the financial planning checklist. For those that don't have this in front of them, what we went through was the first three things, right? Do you have it? Do you understand it? We dealt with some questions here. I hope you have a deeper understanding of this. Ask questions if you don't, right? Everything applies. In financial planning, right? According to the textbook, there are two main pillars. Wealth protection and wealth creation. We introduced the idea in the beginning in terms of financial planning strategies, which is tax reduction strategies, estate plans, risk management strategy, investment strategy. I've added in here because I've worked with clients uh, to build these for themselves. An account management strategy, um, a lifetime income strategy and an opportunity strategy. So when we get there, you're welcome to ask questions or you're welcome to ask questions right now. But for now, we're going to talk about Wealth Protection Tools. If you have a screen open, go download this for yourself before, while we're doing this live or after this live and you want to rewatch, right? Wealth Protection Tools. First things first, what did I write there? Your will, the most important document, statement of wishes of your life, right? We've had a whole video, we've done IG lives on this, how to prepare for your own death, which is the next thing, your book of life, also a resource downloaded uh, that you can download on the site. It's already there. When it comes to this, especially in this time, considering this last year, I don't know about you guys, but man, I've been having a tough time dealing with processing the emotions of the bad news that you hear more and more often, right? And uh, it sucks. It's just, uh, yeah. um, when last did you look at your will? Did you update it? And uh, do you believe that it's a hassle, right? And it's something that it's just a mission to complete. Well, it's easy. Go on the site, the tab insurance and investing. Anything we talk about here, you can find on that tab. Insurance and investing on the My Money Talk site. You want your will done? Do it for free. Done. Deal. Um, Book of Life, it's on the thing, uh, on the website, under resources, or drop an email if you have our email address, or DM me on IG and we'll get it sent to you with your email address, right? Whatever's easier for you, but most important thing is not downloading all of these things. It's getting present and making time to actually do this for yourself in your life before you head off to work and work on somebody else's targets, right? Personal insurance policy this is where the industry financial advisors everybody makes the most money personal insurance policies and selling investment accounts so you guys have questions when reviewing your financial plan for 2021 as we item go down these items you got to think about a few things actually not too many things you just got to think about reviewing your cost of that product 
because you're paying for something, maybe, maybe not you're getting service for, but ultimately eating into your money if you don't review the cost of what you're spending, right? And then obviously reviewing the intentions. We started off this live talking about advisors and the relevance in the world today. And you've got to find that out for yourself. Are you using an advisor? How much is it costing you to use an advisor? Um, what is the fee that's on your products to use an advisor? And is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because if it isn't, we, uh, while we're changing the future of financial advice and training better advisors in the market, there's a huge emergence of younger generation, Gen Y, some millennials, that prefer to do it themselves. And why the hell not? If they're not finding value from working with someone that's in their corner, they can learn for themselves. There's the free money school. Um, here's one question. Do you advise choosing a bank as an executive of a will? Interesting story. Very interesting story. I used to have my will, you know, personal use it, don't use it. Uh, you know, if the, the reality of advice is I say something to you as a statement and this is my advice and uh, people have a legal claim. But yes, I'll, I'll give you what I, I do, right? I had my, my, my will with the bank for many years and uh, the, the, the logic was as follows, right? I had good executorship rates. Right, because it's all about the fee, executive fee, that is that they charge on your estate while managing the, uh, while tying up the estate. You do need an executor. You want someone that knows what they're doing. One would imagine a bank could do it. Absolutely, they have the resources, they have the departments, and then you have the hearsay in the market. Our oh, banks are slow, so on and so forth. But we know that everybody's slow when it comes to tying up estates. One of the reasons I saw in private practice was. One of the biggest reasons why I never actually did wills by myself. I started because it's such an important thing. And then I realized I was so busy building this business, um, graduate program, all of the different things, individual clients, clients, educating, that if somebody passed away, I would have to physically drop everything, which I have no, I don't mind doing, and uh, deal with it, Right? Because that's my responsibility. And I've talk, spoken about the, the huge responsibility it is to be an advisor. Whether it's finance or anything, you've got a mad responsibility to show up, right? And so you drop everything. What tends to happen is you meet with apologies because you have to reschedule a lot of things and so on, which is fine. People accept it. But what happens if it's a process, right? More people manage the administration flow of process. You've got a master of the high court and back and forth and email and go visit the family and keep this whole thing. The more wills I had, the more I had, it hit me and it hit me quite, quite fairly, uh, fairly recent into, into me accumulating a lot of wills. And I said, I cannot commit three people die at once. Cheers to my diary. I can't do that. And so what I did was I started searching because the biggest thing in an estate is how fast it can get tied up. And the only thing you can get, no guarantee, you can get, we'll try our best, so to speak. And when it comes to professionals, like myself, I came to that realization, you get lawyers, you get advisors, you get different services that um, may house your will. Can they, do they have the resources to back that up? Because the biggest delay is in each administrative issue. Because case in point, Somebody passes away, oh, 
I'll put that on my to-do list for later in the day. You just lost half a day. And continue this process throughout, meeting next week, following week, so on and so forth. Anybody in that whole chain of administration, um, if somebody's doing a favor or a plan for a plan, whatever it might be, you're gonna get delays, right? Um, so, so when I had my thing with the bank, I then moved to a company that uh, was a friend of mine, that um, it's a massive company, again, you need that wool, you drop it on the, on the website, your query on the website, insurance investment, I need a wool done, and it would follow a similar process to what I did for myself, right? Uh, essentially a company that specializes in doing and tying up estates that has, because it's a friend uh, that I knew as they were building this entire company, we had an honest conversation and whatever deal we had in, in, in connecting with My Money Talks got preferential treatment, etc., etc. Um, and again, like any deal, it's up to two human beings or more to keep that thing and honor the agreement as best as possible, but my will is there, um, no longer with the bank, right? We've got a thing over here, my mum entrusted her uh, will to a family member, and when she passed away, it was nowhere to be found. So I choose a bank, okay, yeah, look, uh, there was a reason in the beginning when I chose a bank, it was kind of the best place, uh, not the ideal place, but the, the I settled on the bank until I changed it. So if you're looking to follow a similar kind of path that's filled with education, that the process enlightens you on the costs of you dying, and, and it's fairly uh, simple to understand, uh, also free process, which is very valuable when I, when I was making this agreement, um, and, and I found valuable for myself. It's a cool process. Go to the site, drop your detail, have your world reviewed, right? Um, welcome, Pfizer 18, exotic cuisine love to know what you're cooking okay well moving forward from the wills unless there's any other questions personal life insurance policy how do you guys feel about your current insurance policies today do you feel like you have the best one what were you told the unique features that you like um, is it suiting your lifestyle as much these days through 2020 and uh, 2021 are you keeping up to date with whatever loops you need to jump through? Insurance is very funny. You know, we talked about the six-step financial planning process, yet majority of advisors out there are talking about the benefits. And the funny part is, it's the norm to, let's say, clients or people who buy or look for insurance. People have lost the essence of what an insurance policy's purpose is, right? <laughs> and we've talked about this before, but I'll say it again. You have a need and, and happy to, to give you an idea, right? When you work out your, your life insurance need, right? So your insurance policy is life, disability, impairment, income protection, dreaded diseases, and any other extra benefits that you need. What should those numbers be, right? Here we go. I've got insurance for my car, but don't feel comfortable talking about taking out life insurance. FYI, because I know you're Muslim, good woman online, the reality is life insurance has now become halal. Ha ha ha. Again, on the site, go check it out. Or, or drop me a message, or even better, everybody who's watching that's interested in Sharia life insurance, let me know, we can have a whole discussion about it, one of these Monday night lives, so you can prep your questions, etc. Right? But important thing, whether it's Sharia compliant or normal life insurance, insurance policy will be similar. You need 
Same for me, Tofika, same insurance for the cars, but not personal insurance. Tofika, good woman online. Is that because of Sharia compliance? That's a direct question. So just drop me an answer there um, and comment on what I told you. Um, yeah, okay. And, and, and I'll back this. I know the Sharia boards that, uh, yeah, Mufti Ahmed Suleiman, etc., etc. So, yeah, anyway. How do you review that life insurance, right? Life, disability, impairment, income protection, dreaded disease. All of those, if you think about the purpose of insurance, is when do you need it? If an event happens and you cannot fund the event, then you, there's an insurance product, right? Or a crowdsource pool of money that you can tap into by being a part of a community or whatever the justification is, insurance policy. So... These might be sound like each different insurance policy uh, items, which is true, but really it's for the same thing. Your biggest asset is your ability to earn an income, right? In which case, what happens if you lose that ability to earn an income? You no longer can contribute to your kids' school fees. You no longer can save for their future education. You no longer can meet up your bond repayments. You no longer can plan for your financial freedom because there's no money coming in for it to go out to your goals or to consumption. And so perhaps you're at a stage in life where you've accumulated a load of assets that are giving you multiple streams of income. Guess what? You probably don't need insurance. You may need it for longer term strategies, tax reduction, etc. in your estate planning. However, for the vast majority of people, that's why they need any kind of insurances to protect their income. So it's about different situations, scenarios. If you lose your income because you got retrenched, right? There is retrenchment cover. However, retrenchment cover is a, a very T and seed benefit. Okay, uh, Mandy, where, where is this? Mandy requested to join live in the video. Um, drop me a comment. We didn't plan for lives for this video and uh, perhaps you can join in uh, if, if, if it's completely relevant and follows the theme so we can get through everything today. Um, alternatively, drop me a DM and we can plan to get you live on another session. My brother, I appreciate that. Um, We're just on a point on life insurance. If questions and comments come through here that uh, you'd like Monday on, perhaps uh, you guys know something that I don't, we can get him on. But it's cool. How cool would it be if we can have this radio show concept and just apply it? Um, again, feedback, questions, comments, who's keen to talk about these things. Uh, the only thing about Instagram, maybe there's an anonymous vibe, so maybe it's submitting questions beforehand and I'll keep names out of it. It doesn't matter, right? But it'll be cool, right? Moving on. If you, if you get retrenched, right, you get a retrenchment protected personally um, full to T's and C's. So that's why you have an emergency fund. That's called self-insurance, right? But what about the more expensive events, right? What happens if you end up in hospital? Medical aid covers hospital bills. But what happens if that disability or impairment um, gets you in hospital? Long period of time, perhaps it's permanent and uh, your medical bills are covered, but you lose your income, your job from doing that because you're just no longer relevant there. 
Nobody's paying you a salary. Medical aid's not going to pay you a salary. That's why you have things like income protection. Income protection, you need to be taking that out um, towards your net salary, right? Net salary. If you guys are still covering your gross salary, man, you're about four or five years behind in legislation. That changed a while, a while, a long, long while, a long time ago, a while ago. So then you get a lump sum disability again. If you were to imagine that scenario, what happens if you are disabled or impaired and you need to, medical aid is a, a medical expenses are covered, your gap cover covers everything, you have your income protection that's being paid, so it's like you're getting your, your net salary every month, but life does need to change. A friend of mine, um, last year that we raised funds for, this is a real, real life example, uh, needed to change his car, right? In terms of modify it to deal with the disability. Um, house, location, etc. These things cost money. That's where you work in that lump sum disability, right? In the event you lose your income because of that. But what happens if you lose your income because of a sickness? Similar situation. What happens if you lose your income if you die? Yeah, maybe nobody needs your money. But your household may need the money, in which case, I mean, one of the calculators, I'm gonna sneak peek this, it's one of the, on the masterclass we are giving, the calculators and tools that advisors use <laughs> and then teaching you on it within the masterclass above and beyond all the other things we're doing so that you can work out your own stuff right and I'll give you a sneak peek right here so assuming I'm not going to show you I'm going to talk you through something get on the waitlist for the masterclass <laughs> but let's talk life insurance right your debts if you pass away and um <laughs> your cost of dying, etc. Right? Shortfall cover also NB for vehicle finance. Uh, seen friends, yeah, of course, of course. Vehicle finance, vehicle finance. Um, what if you want to put your income back into your household in the event that you pass away and you're earning, let's say, fifteen thousand rand a month, and you want to consider fourteen years? All you put in is fourteen years. I want my income to be in there. You can play around with some variables, and it says you need. 4.5 million rand worth of life insurance, then your debts, your vehicle assets, all of that stuff. And you work out an actual number for your policy. A lot of people are overinsured on some places. A lot of people are underinsured of some places. And the reality is, you're paying for what? We started off this conversation on insurance because half of the population is bloody paying for a free smoothie. Or whatever it might be. A salesperson talking through this process that is trained to tell you things like they're ethically and responsibly going to do something with no obligation to get you into a meeting to get you to and, and you know what's the reality i would show you one of the lives we can do this when we have a q a there's a system that you quote on insurance there's about six different variants that i can click on and the price will go down what you don't know they labeled similarly is that you just won't get paid in certain circumstances, etc., etc. And this is what happens when it comes to the sales game. We've got nine major insurers. All of them have different names for the products they call um, for disability and impairment and just one or the other or this or level. And there's so many little minor workings of this. How are you supposed to know? In that second meeting, the, the, the part in the sales process, the six-step financial planning process, where they implement the solution. And I'd love to know if anybody here paid like proper attention and understood that document they were signing in that one hour that it took for them to take out their financial plan. Um, 
bottom line. Created the DIY version, it's on the site. Go and sort out your insurance and perhaps you save money because what we do is we compare all nine major insurers and uh, keep them honest with what the best benefits are for everything that you required once you work out your shortfalls, etc. And then you pick the best one, right? Simple as that. You don't need to pay for the advisor in the middle, blah, blah, blah. Focus on the more important things, your game plan with money, not necessarily your products, right? Um, medical aid, hospital plan. We did a whole Instagram live on that. Go find it. It's not too far down in the IGTV and watch that. We covered it in detail. You want to review your medical aid, you start doing these things, right? Um, Fuzi Patel, what's happening? Nasima Abu Bakr, uh, what site am I talking about? I missed the beginning. The site is mymoneytalks.co.za. It's in the links in our bio, Pfizer. And you want to click on the insurance and investing tab. If you downloaded the checklist to give you guys a refresh on what we're talking about so far, is this financial planning checklist. We are a little bit far down here. And you can download this under the resource uh, tab. And um, yeah, it's over here. So when you go to the resources on the website, um, resources, you go over there for you to download the financial planning checklist. And where I'm talking about is just up here, insurance and investing. And we are talking about wills, insurance, Sharia compliance. Literally, all you have to do is tick which one you want. Um, want investment comparisons to we'll get their life insurance and 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 submit your form anyway now caught you up on that medical aid gap cover we covered that let's go into wealth creation tools this is a fun part because what i said earlier when you're reviewing your financial products anybody before i answer you can get a free coaching session review your fees review your fees right your costs, because we are in a world where perhaps you can do it yourself and save. Here, here's the reality. With the average cost in the market right now on investments, compared to the cheapest cost you can get in the market right now on investments, over a long period of time, which is generally most people's careers, you could forfeit more than half of your wealth your potential wealth, let's say that, because you're not going to get it and it's going to disappear, you're just going to have it absorbed in all of these costs. Again, if you're getting good advice, coaching, mentorship, in your game plan with money, there's also stats that prove that with the right people, few and far between, you can double, quadruple your wealth in your career by making good decisions, which is why specific individuals that get proper attention around their guidance mechanisms in that, you know, high net worth people call it family offices where you've got a connected team that go and look for opportunities, etc. on your behalf. Uh, generally tend to, can, uh, can, to take, uh, get massive opportunities to take in building their wealth, but they also pay a large amount of money. However, very active and most importantly, we started off in the beginning, they actually give a damn about their financial plan. It's not a by the way thing. It's a full office based on their decisions that they make with money. Maybe we take a lesson from that, right? But coming to wealth creation tools from this checklist, comment here if you have this money market account and call account, unit trusts, mutual fund accounts, exchange traded funds, ETFs, personal retirement funds, 
That's your retirement annuities, your group retirement funds, your pension provident funds. And there's a legislation change coming on the 1st of March 2021. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a bit. Tax-free accounts, tax-efficient accounts, share trading accounts, fixed deposits, annuities, both compulsory ones. So when you retire, you have to convert retirement money into annuities as well as voluntary, uh, voluntary ones where you opt to put your money into annuity that continues to pay you a fixed amount or an agreed amount over a time frame. And uh, guaranteed accounts, education, savings accounts. These are a handful of wealth creation tools. How do you review each one of those? Well, why do you use a money market account? Generally an account that you use that is safe, that's giving you a rate of interest. Um, money market accounts went down with the interest rate, Unitrust and RA. Uh, good women online. Unitrust and RA, right? Common ones. Unitrust is a sweet account, right? A Unitrust is, an, is one of my favorite accounts, actually call that, or as well as ETFs, because they're very similar, right? It's an account that's flexible. It's an account that you can increase the debit order, decrease the debit order, no effect, no penalties. You can host multiple different funds. You can have money offshore in unit trust. You can have them locally. You can have them locally and offshore, meaning feeder funds, which means they're based in South African rands, but they're investing and tracking uh, an overseas index, or you can have them completely offshore in a different tax jurisdiction and... Um, your money is in a foreign currency invested uh, in different asset classes across the world, right? Very flexible, cool accounts. How do you review them? Costs. It's the only thing you can really control besides your investment strategy, besides your asset allocation, right? And again, you learn from that in the free money school, two hours of investing. Sure, fans, who's completed the investing course that is on this live right now? Because we have over 160 users on the, on the money school and it's flipping cool. I get messages all the time uh, saying thank you. <laughs> we had a comment this week that said that the money school is better than every single. I should find that message. We'll post it. Uh, the money school is better than all the paid courses that they've ever had, which is quite cool. Um, yeah, go check out the money school. That's, that would help you understand your asset allocation, how you pick funds and different asset classes in your investments according to your time frame, right? So coming back to the thing that you can control is your cost. What are you paying? How many of you, how many of you guys know the different types of costs in an investment account? Anybody? I'm going to give you some time to, to question or to answer that question, right? When you look at your accounts, what you need to be looking at is total expense ratio that is a total on a fun fact sheet last week in the instagram live uh, with bashira um, i ran through a practical example on how you can google a fun fact sheet how you need to look at it and how you can look for those costs so generally they break down a total expense ratio that's what ter stands for on the fund um, of a certain amount of money, right? Then you have the advisor cost or the person you're paying to manage that money. As we're moving along, more and more advisors are starting to move their costs and call themselves, you know, we said earlier, ethical, responsible, moral obligation advisors and use these psychological tools and then charge you uh, more than 1% um, 
of on your annual management an advisor can also charge you up front on that yes it's a separate fee and uh, you can also get the platform fee so the platform whether it's the asset manager uh, um, or online platform that you use to invest also has a fee that they charge you add all of those up and now you start working out the cost so if you have a 8% return and your total cost is 3%. That is getting deducted every single month, 3% per annum. And you might have seen an 8% return on paper in the year, but you actually didn't. You got 5. Guess what? Inflation's 4.5. And if you got 5 or an 8, you're lucky. But still, where did all that money go? And big question. It's okay if you're paying fees, right? There's a real reason why Nike sneakers have, <laughs> have gone into stratosphere of price and yet you still buy it. Because it's worth it to you. And so if you feel it's worth it to pay those fees, cool. As long as you review it and you understand what you're paying for what you are getting in your financial plan. Because you can do with as much money as you can in your game plan, right? So moving on, no more questions on that. I thought we'd have a lot more questions on fees, or at least on the investment accounts. Um, no questions. Hmm. Is everybody paralyzed with information? <laughs> okay, so then let's go to T-Day. Straight into pension and provident funds. In 2013, um, the government uh, needed to, or they proposed this retirement reform on pension funds, provident funds, uh, to, they use the term harmonization of tax and retirement funds, meaning make everything work together in harmony, right? And... Uh, 2013-14, as usual, legislation takes its time. 2016, they actually got something right and they moved. The, and 2016 was the new retirement law that allowed you to deduct all of your retirement contributions, pension contributions and provident fund contributions um, according to a proper deduction scale that was harmonized. So they all worked the same. So that was where government got it right. So the next kind of phase in harmonizing, making everything standard uh, in your retirement funds is with regards to your pension and provident funds. So basically, for those of you, and I wrote it in the Instagram stories in preparation for this, how, what do you guys know about the difference between a pension fund and a provident fund? The biggest difference when it comes to... Okay, what is considered expensive in terms of fees? Okay, so there's a question on fees. I don't know if this feed is delayed, but I appreciate the question. Let's just go back for a little bit to answer this question. Expensive in terms of fees, generally speaking, that is plus 1.5%. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. If you are directly investing yourself, you can get fees as low as 0.6%. So 1.5 is almost triple that number. And the reality is, let's take one of our famous... Um, Okay, I don't name names because then I'll, do, I'll name names in a proper video when I can assess everyone's stuff. Again, let me know if you want to see one of those. That might be fun. But essentially, you get unit trust accounts that uh, like famous brands that their costing is nuts. They've gone mad. It's like 22 29 3.3% uh, on unit trust funds. Different type of story, right? So... This, JSOMS, is when you're looking not only at TER, like I said earlier, you've got to look at all the fees that are charged on your investment. So that is TER, um, advisor costs, 
and platform costs, maybe administration costs, and just look out in that document. You can always find it if you just spend time reading not more than 10 pages. In fact, fees are usually represented on not more than two pages on any investment document. So if you ask, you'll get. If you don't ask, okay. So going back to pension and provident funds, guys. Pension fund, traditionally, as it, and as it stands today, actually, when you retire, the date that you choose to retire, you can take out up to one third of that money. And I'm not going to go into technical uh, tax discussions, just how they work, right? One third you can take out and you have to annuitize the next two thirds into a compulsory annuity, living annuity or life annuity, right? And then you have provident funds. If you're a member of that, the rules are slightly different, a lot different. When you retire, you can take up to 100% of that money without needing to annuitize it. That's the rules as they've been so far. As of the 1st of March 2021, harmonized, meaning provident funds will now work like pension funds where your money, you could be able to take one third at retirement and you have to annuitize two thirds. Interesting, isn't it? So there are technicalities. So please feel free to ask questions. I'm going to talk through a few because it's just not the same. They don't just flick legislation on the 1st of March and now everybody suffers. That's probably what like the, the left news articles are going to do. I mean, we're seeing that a lot in immigration. Uh, financial immigration is not a thing, by the way, but the news for some reason is sensationalizing it and scaring a lot of people that specifically and weirdly moved to Dubai um, to financially immigrate and a lot of professionals are using that as a scare tactic to get your money to charge you to financially immigrate you when none of it is actually necessary anyway coming back to pension and provident funds similarly the legislation is working quite nicely and to me it looks a lot fair it looks very fair to be honest basically if you had a provident fund before the first of march and up to the first of march 2021 there's something that's going to be called vested and non-vested benefits in all your statements moving forward. So to get you an idea, what it means is you get the benefits of your provident fund, meaning every amount you've contributed before the 1st of March 2021 in the history of time, uh, you will be able to be called a vested benefit, meaning you at retirement, you can take the full lump sum just as usual, plus the growth from that day until the day you retire. So you never lose that total benefit. Any new contributions in there is going to be um, subject to the non-vested, meaning harmonized rule of taking one-third and two-thirds questions if you're unsure of what I'm saying. Uh, let's see here, Pfizer. Is it true that the money accumulated before the 1st of March can still be... Yes. So that's what I just explained, Pfizer. Cool. Um, blush and brush. Pre-March 2021 was a provident fund better... I'm assuming then a pension fund due to being able to cash out at 100%. To be honest, and I've said this to every single person that kind of asks this type of question in a different way and relative to, to their circumstance. No. I mean, like, it's, it's a common narrative in uh, maybe an accountant said it or an uncle or whoever. Whoever. It's just a narrative out there. Where, and, and a narrative or an opinion that having access to all your money is a great thing. When in reality it isn't. There's a reason. 
Think about, uh, I'm going to use a new example. I keep using the same old examples always, but in the future where potentially uh, your Bitcoin is a relevant currency and it's like widely used, etc. Um, in that scenario in life, you can technically hold all your wealth in one little e-wallet. You can access it all at any point in time. The reality is you can lose it and you can use it. So what's the game plan? So it's always relative to do you have a game plan with your money because a successful retirement isn't someone and I want you to you guys to all visualize this as you are um, reviewing your plans for this year and perhaps the long term future. Do you imagine retiring one day successfully financially free with all your money in a retirement account? Unfortunately, a lot of people do, right? For those people, chances are, yeah, the Provident Fund was better because they could at least touch all their money and not restrict it to this um, annuitized percentage every single year when they really needed more money, right? That sucks, but that's more of an effect of not doing enough over the time we had. And, you know, I empathize because it's scary. Most people in a working environment earning a salary and working as a, in a job, the system's not designed to like those golden days of pension where you would retire from service and get a gold Rolex and uh, have a continued pension for the rest of your life. That doesn't exist anymore. You know, those retirement fund rules changed. Those were called defined benefit funds where you contributed to this pension all your life and uh, you got a defined benefit, an exact benefit for the rest of your, your life. Today you have defined contribution funds. So it's your contribution in that's going to grow however it grows, markets up and down, all, all of that. And if you just didn't put enough, you'd have an amount of money to make a decision with. Whether you made it into a life annuity, you, you stuck through a number, or you, you, you converted it into a living annuity. And it's flippin' sad, right? This is where those stats become real. Most people, simple as that, leave stats. Most people are just not going to make it, right? In which case, these are where these narratives come in. Um, yes, yeah. No, this is good, that is good, that is bad, this is better than this. Never. I mean, opinions uh, are like assholes, right? Everybody has one. You can control your own financial plan. You can control the outcome of your own life to live it on your own terms. And, uh, you know, let's take 1st of March. It is what it is. What are you going to do? If what you're going to do is cash out your provident fund, that's like cutting your nose to spite your face. But according to T-Day, you will still retain your benefits past that for your, for your Provident Fund benefits, right? Um, yeah, there you go. Um, Phoenix. They, they use it as a crutch, right? Uh, for those of you that can't see the comment, too many people use their pensions as a crutch. Destination happiness. Yeah, it's true. It's true, right? So how do you review that? Perhaps you can squeeze out a little bit more out of your contributions by lowering your costs. How do you do that? DIY, go on the site, request a review, a comparison of all the retirement providers and uh, make your best purchase, right? Same with tax-free accounts, same with tax-efficient accounts, share trading accounts, so we don't have a functionality on the site yet. But out of interest sake, who's trading? How have your profits been last year? And what is your financial planning questions for this year? Because it all forms part of your financial plan, right? Fixed deposits, fixed deposits rates have gone down. If 
you were fortunate enough to lock in a high rate at some point early on before the last two years, great. Um, if you are maturing your funds right now, what do you do? What's the game plan? Questions, right? Annuities, guaranteed accounts, yeah, fixing annuities right now, bit of an interesting one to consider. You might need a proper discussion before you go lock in money at low rates, right? Hashtag easy equities. You know, it's interesting. On the masterclass, I featured easy equities. Um, you'll see it when you join, join the masterclass to see what I mean by, you know, they're good companies. They're also cut companies. And there's no such thing as an overall good company and an overall um, bad company. You just have to understand how to leverage and look at how you use certain products within these things, right? Other than that, nice platform. I've said that before in my stories. Um, most important decisions is what are you working towards? How are you going to leverage those platforms? Because when it comes to costs, easy equities actually isn't the cheapest. So just keep that in mind. They say they are, but they're not. Um, but they're nice, right? And they're decent. Uh, guaranteed accounts, education, savings accounts. I put this here for a reason. What question to everybody out there? What do you use to save for your children's education? I'll wait for comments before I comment on that. And uh, any more questions on T-Day? Because there's some additional... I mean, if there's any people watching that are over the age of 55 today, and uh, or they know somebody over the age of 55, if they're in a provident fund, they don't have... Uh, conversion to pension fund after the 1st of March 2021. That's a cool thing. Because they have the option to retire today or any time, so they're over the age of 55, they had the option to retire from their provident fund um, at any point since 55. So they'll get the benefit as long as they stay within service of that employer with that provident fund, all their contributions will be standard old provident fund rules. A nice thing. If they were to change jobs after the age of 55 and move to a different company fund, then the usual thing will apply. Any new contributions, if that's after the 1st of March, but that's only people over the age of 55 that then move jobs, right? Uh, not saving for education, good woman online, paying it month to month. Um, I don't know what you're saying over there. So you're not saving. Oh, you're just paying the education month to month. Okay. Uh, month to month, but there is also education in the future. You can still save for that, university, etc., etc. And uh, no doubt, as the world is changing, online courses, etc., etc., etc. Right? Um, one of the coolest stories is uh, later on in the year, we might be seeing a 19 year old join the financial coach training school to become a financial coach. Like that just, it just blows my mind. I'll repeat that story for the rest of my life. Um, it's just so awesome. 19 years of age, when we were 19, yeah, waitering. I was on, I was on movies, but that's quite cool. Uh, <laughs> but it would have been insane. Imagine you can teach a 19-year-old to be a financial coach, and they not only empower themselves, but they can help others maybe their age. Like a whole generation can change. It's too cool, right? Um, brush and brush. I have a 10-year-old policy that I contribute monthly to. Not sure if this is the best option. Kid is three years old now. Um, okay, so if the kid is three, three years old, 
um, you know, I read this question as you have a 10-year-old policy, but it could be read as you have a policy that matures in 10 years. Clarifying that, but chances are, if you're contributing monthly, it's from any one of the major institutions that sell you education policies. From what I've seen, those things are mad expensive, worthwhile, booking yourself a review on the site. Because, man, they also come with penalties and uh, some of them go as high as 6 or 7% in fees. So it's a glorified like zero savings account. Uh, at the, somebody sold it to you that it's tax beneficial and more often than not, it's not. So happy to personally facilitate if you are a victim of the sales behavior. Um, I'll give you a shout and help because I just don't like that behavior. I'm actually an advocate of that opposite behavior in the industry. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, financial advisors are taught to sell these things because they're commissionable accounts. And um, what do you do as a new financial advisor struggling in the world? You sell what you have to to put food on the table, right? And, and the, the overall argument is the fact that you're saving for your kids' education is better than you not have saving in the first place. So, again, this is the importance of what is your decision? Do you feel it's worth it, right? Um, is there any alternatives to education policies, Sharia compliant? Yes. Unit trusts, Sharia compliant funds. Based on the time of education, completely flexible, rock and roll with that. How you grow money, guys, again, register for the free money school, whole course on investments, has everything to do with asset allocation. Free money school costs you your time. Go register and learn, learn. Mad feedback so far, uh, positive feedback. People are learning and growing and I can't wait to see what's the evolution. Like we have plans to evolve the site that are already in motion, but it also evolves with all your feedback, participation, your comments. To me, that's the most important thing because this year, 10 years ago, five years ago, you'd never have this level of conversation where you actually get to deal with your financial planning, your review. You'd have to meet with a salesperson that tell your policy. Yeah, I don't want anything from you, right? I want you to use the site. The more you use that, the more it justifies our business case to continue operating, to help educate more people and just put out more value in the world. Money is easy. Planning to give it all and, and, and help you understand it and grow to your ultimate potential in your world because the world needs more financially educated people. We've been saying it for years. I grew up hearing it, but nobody ever did something about it and that's why we're doing this. And Alhamdulillah, with your support and with all the duas and all the effort that we still need to put in, we're going to make it a reality, right? I mean, um, the education builder fees are extremely high. Uh, what is the best way to save for education? Yeah, there you go. Education builder, you're referring to a liberty policy. The fees are extremely high. Yes. Yes, nuts. It's, it's, you don't have one. You're not supposed to, right? What is the best way to save for education? I answered that question. You know, trust. Um, and, and I mean, let's talk about strategies, right? Because ultimately, ultimately, anything you do in life, accounts aside, you can find the cheapest and best ones. What is the strategy that you're applying based on what you're working towards, right? So in any given year, you can reduce tax. There's a strategy for that, right? Estate plan. Considering your death, what is the cost of you dying? When you pass away, there is you have properties, there's costs, indemnification costs, transfer costs, capital gains tax, uh, which forms part of tax, tax reduction strategy and estate planning, right? Um, 
consider the tax laws, etc. You've got executor's fees. We spoke about that earlier. You've got the time to tie up the estate. That's part of planning, right? As much as it's not in the textbook, it's logically part of the plan. Um, estate duty, big one, right? You, you know, certain accounts, you know, we talked about pension retirement accounts have the advantage of money if you pass away bypassing your estate and going directly to your beneficiary, saving you 20 to 25% on tax. What is the game plan? This is why you have a strategy, right? Risk management strategy, all the insurance. When you work out the numbers, understand the effect. You know, insurance can be used in other ways. You have a business, a business partner. You own 50-50 shares of the business. What happens if one of the, if your partner passes away? Complications. So you can use insurance to fund a buy and sell agreement, meaning one person passes away without the hassle of tying up the estate, limiting your ability to run the business. You drop an agreement. If you don't have the money to fund this agreement that states that if the, if the company is worth a million rand, 500,000, 500,000. If, if you die, um, the agreement says, I am going to buy your 500,000 rand shares um, on the date of death by paying your estate uh, 500,000 rand. This is the value of the company today. Agreement lasts this year and it's prudent to update these agreements and vice versa, right? If we don't have the 500,000 at hand, we can use an insurance policy to fund the arrangement. I pay for his life insurance policy uh, or her life insurance policy. Yeah, see what I did there? And she pays for my life insurance policy and that agreement then, if I die, she's paying for the policy, money goes to her. And then the agreement says she's going to use that money to pay my estate, people with my estate that's left behind, right? For the shares of the business. Now she's 100% owner of the business, vice versa. Insurance strategies are mad important. You use them differently, right? Um, investment strategy, uh, yeah. We learned in the investment school, we can take that up unless you guys have specific questions, right? Um, okay, we do have here. Yeah. Thank you for the for the Armenians. You guys are legends, right? Um, my Liberty Advisor is useless. I have unit trust and they don't grow according to my needs. The annual reviews aren't helpful, so I gave up, comp <laughs> give up completely, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have to go through this. You poop all, go to the site. And, uh, and book a session with a coach. These guys aren't designed to sell you stuff. They're there to help you make good decisions. You give up on your financial future, your financial freedom. You give into your behavioral things. You've got to work on all these things. And yes, we're not all perfect. But to take action, to, to you know, we all know this, this, that every action is judged based on intention. Get excited about your journey again. Perhaps dealing in a coaching session can help you understand what you're working towards. When you have a thing you're working towards, a target, a financial freedom goal, you attach your lifestyle, the life you want to live on your own terms, to something, work out what it costs, it becomes emotional. When you make something emotional, you do it no matter what. Your beautiful business, your amazing following of people, tell me you're not emotionally connected to all those women. It's a beautiful thing. It's what makes you do all that hard work, right? For yourself, your finances. This is important, right? So, reach out, man. We got all the tools, all here to support you. Um, we've got Lantla saying, just had a power outage. Network has also gone down. Can't continue with the live, but it has been worthwhile. 
<laughs> I hope you said it in that direction. You know, I always switch to Morgan Freeman voice uh, when I read something deep like that. It really makes me feel happy, guys. Uh, lifetime income strategy, opportunity strategy. I mean, there's 24 of you that stayed throughout this live. I've been watching that number. Please ask your final questions. If this had made sense, there's a whole section at the bottom of this list. I will show you again. Please ask questions. <laughs> so uh, I'll talk through account management strategy. All these accounts, do you need them? Depends on your game plan, right? You review all of your accounts. If you review all of your accounts, you can understand which accounts need to stay, which can go and what serves you, what doesn't serve you. Book some time with a coach that can help you sift through and identify what your game plan is, what you're working towards and build the right account strategy. You don't have to have hundreds of accounts. That, that's, that's a lie. The more accounts you have, doesn't mean you're winning. Um, how, you management, how you manage a few accounts that are working with purpose is everything, right? Lifetime income strategy. What is your strategy based on what you're contributing to investments, different types of accounts, that is contributing to that later point in time that's a pool of money that's going to feed you an income. That's going to... So I'm doing this for multiple streams of income. I don't know if that was making sense. Um, but what is that income strategy? You know, every second piece of information online says get a second stream of income, get multiple streams of income. What is the strategy? How are you going to do that? Is the things that you are participating in exciting to you? If somebody talks about dividends and you couldn't give two dams about dividends, then don't waste time. There's other ways. There really is, honestly. Yeah. So then we look at opportunity strategy. You know, this is where a lot of people like to hope they or, or act within that as if they are... Um, you know, an opportunity strategy is, let's say your game plan to wealth, to, to, to your ultimate freedom is on track. What happens if something comes along, an opportunity? Are you prepared to take that opportunity and convert it? Simple as that. What is the strategy? There's many ways to this, multiple different ways to approach the opportunities that are exciting to you. And it needs to be meaningful to you to capitalize on them, to understand them and to participate with someone or by yourself to take advantage of them while knowing, not just take it every opportunity that comes, while knowing that your game plan to financial freedom is on track. That's the secret, really. Uh, we got JD Soms. What I find works well is building contribution to savings investments as an expense into your budget. Yeah, that's the essence of paying yourself first. So if you hadn't realized this yet, JJ Soms, it's a beautiful habit. You know, habit number one is probably the top two or three videos on the YouTube channel when I created it. What is paying yourself first? And we went through, I recall this, we went through an example of person A, person B um, that were earning the same salary and... Uh, Person A decides, like everybody else, that I got an increase in salary. I'm going to buy that GTI. Um, <laughs> so I remember this vividly. Person B says, I'll just delay six months and uh, continue to take that extra investment created as a non-negotiable paying myself first in, in, in his budget and step up his standard of living increases semi-annually. And in five years' time, it was such a big difference in wealth that, uh, you know, the, the rumors that I mentioned in the story were that uh, he must be a trust fund baby. <laughs> but it's true. You know, 
wealth strategies. Again, that is a cash management strategy, account management strategy. Um, it's an opportunity. If you look at your opportunities as your potential salary increases in the future. Um, JJ Soms, man, you've contributed uh, a lot. Uh, send me a DM and you can get, uh, get something there. Uh, I just appreciate it. It's nice. It's nice to see these little nuggets and and give giving this live an opportunity to help the viewers hear a different perspective on on the standard sayings that that we one might understand, but you know, theology, um, life, and understanding is relative to how you conceptualize it for yourself. So, guys, on that note, we've covered pretty much every account insurance, everything about your financial plan that you get to review as we look forward this year. What can go wrong? You could simply carry on your day. It will be fun next year when we have a similar topic. I mean, it won't be fun, right? It would suck <laughs> if a few of you people uh, that were present here do nothing. And... Uh, you know, I, I really hope that you want to you participate. When it comes to all your accounts, you've got the My Money Talk side. Reach out. Let's try and make this a show and, uh, and, and find ways to engage more often. Thank you very much for everyone that participated. Um, I look forward to releasing my masterclass to you guys in two weeks from now. So if you haven't yet, go join the waitlist. Um, a select handful of people are going to get a discount on launch. Um, well, that's, it's a queue, basically, right? So first come, first serve. And so, man, these next two weeks are going to be hard. Uh, on my side, we're putting a lot of work for you guys. And I want to thank you guys for all your participation, all your comments, all your feedback. And really, just taking, I'm proud of you all, taking control of your life. Going to learn on the free money school, sharing it with your friends and family. And making my money talks more and more of a household name every single day because ultimately we're here for you to build the right mindsets habits and education in your journey to living on your own terms so thanks for watching guys and uh catch you guys next week oh this thing caught me again ah, there we go and